What's up, everybody? It's John. Thank you so much for downloading the Rock Tape Podcast. And as a thank you, I want to offer you 15% off your next order of tape, topicals, and mobility tools and apparel at shop.rocktape.com. 15% off the best tape and gear around. Just use the code ROCKCAST. That's R-O-C-K-C-A-S-T at shop.rocktape.com for 15% off your next order. That's the code ROCKCAST for 15% off your next order of rock tape so you can go stronger, longer. and a rock tape instructor. Today I have with me Melissa McDowell. Melissa is a DPT specializing in orthopedic and sports medicine rehabilitation. In addition to teaching courses in kinesiology and biomechanics in the health and human performance department at Montana State University, Bozeman, Melissa established Clearwater Physical Therapy in 2004. She is also co-owner of the Bluebird Medical Supply Company, a DME provider serving Southwest Montana, works with patients throughout a life, the lifespan and functionality spectrum. She's also co-founder of 4C Sports Injury Analytics, a biomechanics analysis software company that works in the markerless motion capture space. She's also an avid athlete who played basketball in college. She also just competed and finished her fourth Ironman she enjoys hot yoga, is an inspiring far biker, and is a proud mother of a 10-year-old black diamond skier. Wow. Melissa, what's up? Hey, what's up, John? Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thanks so much for making the time. I really appreciate you doing this for me. Um, there's so much to kind of unravel with your career and your experience uh, as a uh, practitioner and all the things that you're involved in. So let's just kind of jump into it. One of the first questions I love to ask everybody is, how did you really get started with Rock Tape, uh, using the product, uh, and then getting involved as an instructor with the company? So I met our medical director, Steve Capobianco, one of my favorite people, mm-hmm. uh, at a conference years ago. And as you said, I enjoy triathlon as my uh, method of suffering of choice. <laughs> and I had strained my calf training for a triathlon, and I was at some sort of a trade show. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, and Capo was there and I limped by the rock tape booth and he, uh, he was like, Hey, Hey, are you injured? And I was like, uh, yeah, I strained my calf. And so I wandered over to the rock tape booth and I will never forget this. He had the cow print tape, which, nice. you know, we need a moment of silence for the cow tape print or the cow print tape because it's being discontinued. Oh no. Um, yeah. But anyway, so Capo taped me and I was PT at the time and was doing triathlons and was well into my career. And I had no exposure to kinesiology tape whatsoever. And so I was like, wow, what does this stuff do? And I like the print and you seem friendly. You're a Canadian chiropractor, the nicest human being on the planet. (laughs) Um, And so I immediately uh, let my clinic know that I wanted to order rock tape as a product after having the experience being taped. Um, I felt like it stayed on really well. I felt like it helped because I was in, um, and I sort of, kind of seeking more information about what kinesiology tape actually can do. Um, and so that's how I became a product user. That's a really uh, kind of unique perspective because we get a lot of people who have used different tape and they come across rock tape because it stays on right. and then get our educational experience. So that's, that's a very random yet cool story to kind of jump into it. I, I like 
when people's first exposure is rock tape, because I think they're getting, obviously, I think this, but we're getting, you know, the best of the best. Right. It's like on your 21st birthday. That would move. There's no going back, right? So <laughs> that was kind of my exposure. Is uh, my first kinesiology tape was rock tape, and I was pretty stoked on how interesting the patterns were and how patients responded to it. And people would be like, "Oh, tell me about that tape. It's super cool. Like, where'd you get the stuff with the biohazard print? You know, like total conversation starter. I think. And for me as a business owner, anything that keeps people talking about what I do and my clinic and my practice, I think is really po- powerful and positive from a business mindset. Um, so that was really how I got initially introduced. Cool. Very cool. So from that moment when you met Steve and he, uh, he taped you, um, how did you get into becoming an instructor? Were you practicing and uh, using the tape for quite some time and then, you know, realized that this is I was so, I met, so fast forward to another trade show (laughs) and I was at a trade show in Los Angeles, um, in 2015 and I am a university faculty, as you said, in my um, bio introduction. And so I had participated in some clinical research at our university for a new fitness device. And the company had invited me to attend URSA, which is a big, uh, health and fitness show in Los Angeles to kind of help with their booth, explain the science, talk to people about this piece of fitness equipment. Um, and sort of given my personality and my penchant for conversation and the fact that I'm a university teacher, I ended up being the girl with the mic in our booth um, at this <laughs> conference. And so I'm introducing people and talking to people and talking about this product that they created and the research we did and everything else. And this dude walks by wearing a rock tape shirt. And I'm on a mic, right? And I'm like, hey, rock tape, high five. What's up, dude? I love your work. And he looks at me and he's like, well, who the heck are you? <laughs> well, well, I won't tell you who this was. I'll tell you that in a second because it adds some, you know, grit to the story. Drama. And I'm like, dude, I love what you do. You guys are awesome. And he was like, okay. He's like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Melissa. I'm like a university faculty. And, and he's looking at me and he's like, are you a clinician? I'm like, yeah, I'm a PT in Montana. You know, I got all gregarious, whatever. And like, PT in Montana, teacher, lady, whatever. He's like, come on over to our booth later. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Like, this guy's going to give me some swag. And I was already a product user at that point. I'm like, maybe I can get a rock tape t-shirt. Like, at that point, I had no exposure that rock tape did education. I didn't, I had no idea about that whole side of, um, you know, what rock tape offers. So I get wandering over to the booth later in the day. And Jody, who um, you and I know and love, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, Jody is our guardian angel at rock tape. She is, is, oh, she's just a, a gem. She schedules all the instructors. She's the person who mails all the products to our courses. She gives us pep talks when we're locked out of our rental cars. Like she's an amazing (laughs) human being. And I went over to the booth and Jody was, I didn't know it was Jody at the time. This woman is standing there and I introduced myself. I say, Hey, there's like a little short bald guy running around wearing a rock tape shirt. And he said to come over here, he's going to give me some free stuff. And she goes, Oh, you mean the founder and CEO of our company, Mr. Greg Vandendries. He's actually right over here. Um, So I met Greg by offending him (laughs) at a conference, Uh, fully thought booth bunny, but no, he's the guy that started the company. And so I met him and uh, Allison was there, our other um, education director and Jody and some other folks. And so Greg was like, so you're a PT. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, and you're a girl. And I'm like, yes, Captain Obvious. I am a girl. Thank you. Um, and he's like, well, we're, we're hiring people right now. And, uh, PTs that are girls are just what we're looking for. And I, I'm, I tend to think I'm not a very dense human being, but in this conversation at that moment, I was like, 
he wants me to come and like stand around at a trade show booth. Like, but then, you know, kind of think about the context where I met him, where I'm in another trade show booth. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, wow, thanks. That's really flattering. I thought you're going to give me some free tape. I'm pretty busy. You know, I've got a PT clinic. I have a medical equipment company. I'm a university faculty. I'm in this software company. At this point, my husband and I are starting a gym on top of it. We've got kids. We have dogs. I do triathlon. Like I have a lot of stuff going on. And I was like, you know, thanks so much. Like I'm very flattered. Um, you don't even know me. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, I don't want you to stand around in the booth. Like we're hiring teachers. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? (laughs) Um, and so that's how, that's kind of my story of how I got into the education pool as an instructor with our company. What are you um, go ahead. What year was this? Uh, this is 2015. Okay. Yeah. So it was in the spring. So that year I did training with, um, one of our other, uh, elder instructors and went out and did some co-teaching with him and, uh, did some trips. And my first teaching experience was in um, San Jose, California. Uh, and it was just, oh my gosh, I just loved it so much. It was so exciting. I'd been teaching at the university for a few years at that point. So I had a fair amount of teaching experience. I'd never taught continuing education professionals. Mm -hmm. And man, I loved it. It was just like, I was in a room of people that were my peers and my colleagues and all medical specialties, Cairo, PT, athletic trainer, massage therapist, you name it. And we're all just sharing ideas. And I walked out of that room on fire. I was like, this, I want to do this. How do I get to do this? This is amazing. (laughs) Um, someone would pay me to do this. Holy cow. Um, so super positive introduction, um, in 2015. It's such a high to have that experience. I was just saying, I just taught blades today. Like I was telling you before we started and at some, and the, um, the, uh, the host was, was telling me just, it, it's so cool when you have the ability to kind of talk to all these people. I said the exact same thing that that's, this is one of the reasons why we love doing what we do. It's uh, not just Kairos, not just BTs. It's everybody, right. everybody's right. perspective. Everybody's idea comes in. It's the best part about it. And I think one of the things that I really value in our mentality and our mindset as an education company is everybody's welcome. You're a performance coach, CrossFit teacher, come on in. You're a DPT, come on in. You're a university professor, you're a DO, I don't care what you are. We, we all care about movement. Movement unites us all. Helping others unites us all. And so I really do, I feel so passionately and I, I'm so aligned with my sort of personal mission. It says, you know, we are all equal in these rooms and we're all move more often, move more fluent, fluently. Um, that to me is just such a beautiful sort of tenant in what we offer as an education company. Yeah. And a couple of weeks ago uh, to that point, I actually had someone in a tape class. He uh, was a, he was a CrossFitter himself, but his actual job was he was a, he was a trucker. So he doesn't have oh, no train people or even uh, uh, treat people, but he right. wanted to take the course because he wanted to learn about taping for his, yeah. his lifting purposes. It's so cool. That's super cool. I have had a couple where, um, and I, I love it when people say this. I have, I've had a few parents come that aren't clinicians also. And I had a woman a while ago who's like, I'm just a mom. I'm just a soccer mom. And I was like, oh, sister, you need to take that just out of that sentence. You are all of these things to all these people. You're managing kids. You're driving people around. You're helping them stay healthy. You're motivating them. You're wiping the tears. Like there's no just in the front of your title there, sister. Um, yeah. So I, I, that's a big part of what I really love about it and kind of coming out of that education environment all the sharing that we do, man, I learned something from a student in every single class mm-hmm. and it's just, it's just incredible. It's an incredibly powerful experience to be able to 
facilitate learning and then really receive that learning back as well. Uh, yeah, that's the dirty little secret of our jobs is we learn so much <laughs> our first. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm showing up and you know learning as much as all my students are, if not more. It's fantastic. I'm always curious with a perspective like yours when you're teaching at a, a, st- a state university. Um, what is your thoughts on the differences between the students? You had mentioned you know teaching for rock tape really introduced you to teaching uh, for your peers. Um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously teaching at uh, Montana state, you're, 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 teaching undergraduate students or even in the graduate department towards the PTs, what kind of difference right. do you see among those students? Because sometimes you have students in your active courses. I do. Yeah. I just, uh, actually ran into one of my students who's about to graduate from undergrad on campus yesterday and he was wearing a rock tape hat and I'm like, what's up? And he's <laughs> like, Oh, I just went to a rock tape class in Montana and the instructor Jen was from New York city or Jess, she's on fire. And I was like, yeah, that's my girl. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so the, the difference to me is this. So I teach in an undergrad, um, human performance department. I've actually recently been tapped to get to teach in the graduate school at our university in the, um, masters in science and science education program, which is for science teachers who are coming back and getting their master's degree. We don't have a PT school at Montana state. It's at the U. So it's at university of Montana. Um, but what I teach in, so I teach an undergrad human performance, and then I'm about to start teaching in this, um, masters in science, science education program. And to answer your question, John, what I would say is teaching at a university, um, Reminds me a lot of being a parent because (laughs) in some regard, I am helping my students become more responsible humans (laughs) and picking up uh, lots of life skills as well as exercise science or human performance content. When I'm teaching con ed, you know, and to my peers, which may be students in some cases, we get a lot of Cairo students, PT students, sometimes, you know, on the off time, like an undergrad student or something like that. Um, you know, we're not teaching responsibility and turning things in on time in an eight hour (laughs) (laughs) continuing ed class. So to me, I would say some of the biggest differences are really that mentoring aspect, I think is more present when I'm teaching in the undergrad side and just kind of helping people talk through career choices, talk through, you know, job tasks. What's a Cairo do? What's a PT do? Do you want to work outside? Do you want to work inside? You want to work for a team? You want to be a first responder? Like, just kind of helping those undergrad folks sort out some of their life choices. Conversely, you know, when I'm teaching con ed, my goal is always to say, how are you going to use this when you get home? How can you integrate this tomorrow in the clinic? How can you integrate this on Monday at the CrossFit box? How can you use this to expand your practice, expand your business, expand your market share? Um, So I tend to teach my con ed courses, of course, the clinical content, but generally with the bent of how does this differentiate you as a practitioner? Um, and to me, that seems to be pretty well received, especially with my business background and kind of having multiple projects going at once. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a, a thing I kind of hear from a lot with my students on the con ed. I can't believe you have all that stuff going on. Um, and so I do really try to sort of share my experience, uh, it, you know, as appropriate in those con ed classes to my peers. It's so funny you say that too. I was I had I had to giggle as you're you're talking about that because I know exactly what you mean teaching college level myself. <laughs> it's it's almost I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but it is almost kind of a relief to leave the undergraduate classroom and go on the road and teach your peers because it's almost like 
you're just kind of, oh, my people, they're here. You, right. You understand the responsibility that is right. what we are already doing. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think, but. yeah, not to minimize the enthusiasm and sort of the, the journey that those undergrad folks are on by any means. Cause gosh, yeah. if I knew what I knew now and I was 20, wow, I would be a powerhouse oh. <laughs> versus sort of how seriously I was taking school when I was 20. But you know, I think um, I kind of share that, John, where when I walk into a conference room full of my peers, I know that they've already kind of met a lot of those hurdles, completed a lot of goals. There's someone who has kind of shown that commitment to getting to that point. Um, and that kind of creates a level of maturity that's really refreshing. You know, when I'm working with 19-year-old freshmen who may be in their very first semester of college man, you can't buy that enthusiasm. You can't buy that. The world is my oyster. And that to me is such a wonderful aspect of how it's like, they don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And they also, um, um, all believe they're going to change the world. And I do as well believe they're going to change the world. Right. So it's that kind of concept of, uh, man, the sky's the limit for those freshmen and those sophomores and undergrad students. And then you get this sort of contrast in your continuing ed teaching of working with peers who, have already met some of those milestones, their license, their credential, their experience, they're out, you know, in the front lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that is a really kind of exciting. Oh. That's a great perspective to take. Yeah. That's a very good, very good thought process to really kind of bring it all together. <clears throat> so Melissa, one thing that I am so interested in, in talking to you about is uh, your practice, Clearwater Physical Therapy. You opened up in 2004. So it's been yep. just about what? 14 years? Like, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Um, so <laughs> tell us about the process of opening up uh, a practice for anybody who might be thinking about doing that, um, their aspirations to eventually get to the point where they want to do that. Mm-hmm. What kind of tips and tricks do you have when it comes to that? Because I know every experience is very different, but any kind of right. definitely help. So my advice is this surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, <laughs> be humble. Um, and do a lot more listening than you do talking. And that's really my starting point for starting anything, right? Um, Whether that's a practice, whether that's a business, whether that's a relationship, whether that's a friendship, whether that's a freaking dinner party. All right, we got people coming over. We got to make a plan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so for me, starting Clearwater was, uh, I had a few motivations. One (laughs) is I've always kind of been that, you know, I was student body president. I graduated with pretty close to a 4.0. I have been a high achieving human being most of my life. And so for me, I was kind of like, you know, I kind of like to call the shots and I'd I'd like to be the person who's responsible for this ship, whether that ship is sailing well or that ship is in rocky water. I was the kind of classmate who, if we had a group project, I'd rather just do the whole thing myself. So I know would get a good grade on it. (laughs) Um, And you know, so as, as I considered starting my own practice, I initially started Clearwater as a coverage company because I was living in a community in Montana where there were a ton of PT clinics and nobody was doing coverage. And so I was like, hey, I'll be the best substitute teacher of the bunch. I'll go in, I'll learn, I'll see how these clinical environments work. And I'll go ahead and be the girl that everybody wants to call when they want to go on vacation or maternity leave or they have a sick kid or whatever, because I was super flexible at that point in my personal life. Yeah. So 
I started it as a coverage company. Um, and then we had our daughter and I was like, oh, I would rather kind of be in one place and not bouncing around all these different clinics while I'm trying to manage a you know young family. Mm-hmm. And so then I turned Clearwater into a proper brick and mortar um, site. And my proper brick and mortar site, sorry, that's my Instapot going off. <laughs> by the way, uh, I am not paid by Instapot. Y'all need an Instapot. It's like the biggest time hack of life. Um, <laughs> but anyway, back to, uh, back to talking about the clinic. So <laughs> I um, realized that I could go and sign a lease and rent space and open up shop and buy a bunch of equipment and have a ton of overhead. And that sounded like a pretty daunting operation. Or I made a few phone calls because I currently live in Bozeman, Montana, which is the university town I went to undergrad in. I know a lot of people who work in healthcare. So I started calling around asking some of my friends who were all kinds of different medical providers, hey, do you have a room I can rent? Hey, do you have any space I can use? So what I did initially is I had a rental space I was sharing with an orthotic and prosthetic clinic of a couple of my um, undergrad classmates. And I had a hallway. (laughs) and I would treat patients in that treatment room uh, space in the O&P clinic. And then if I needed to run them around or we needed to do dynamic movements or we're looking at agility or start, stop, or whatever, I would take them out in the hallway and I would stand in front of the elevator so no one would get clobbered. And my patients (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that was sort of how it started. And, um, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, So... And that worked pretty well for a while. And one of the pieces of business advice uh, I think is important to share no matter what your business is, whether it's a pizza shop or a PT clinic, um, is as soon as you get started, you need to think about exit. As soon as you get started, you need to think about scalability. And I did neither of those things. I was like, hey, I've got a PT clinic. My name is on the door. People call me Dr. Melissa. Sweet. This is awesome. (laughs) I'm I'm printing money. I'm having – oh, wait a minute. I want to go on vacation. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. I have a sick kid and a clinic day scheduled. Um, So I quickly realized that I had not only put myself in a situation where I had no help. And so I had not extended, I couldn't extend myself beyond me, you know, trading time for dollars, right? If I'm not in the clinic, I'm not billing. And then I also sort of made that rookie mistake or novice mistake of building my brand around me. You know, my clinic is called Clearwater Physical Therapy. Clearwater is a river between Montana and Idaho. Um, and, uh, not Melissa McDowell physical therapy or something like that. But for years, Clearwater was Melissa, you know, the doctors would be like, Oh, go to Clearwater. It's Melissa. Go to Clearwater. It's Melissa. And I did not recognize early on in my practice that, Oh, okay. Now what happens when you want to scale? What happens when you want to add another clinician? What happens when I want to go on vacation and see my family? Okay. Well, I basically have to shut down the practice, leave the patients hanging or something like that. Right. So. I found a girl who did coverage, kind of like how I started, and befriended her and, and created a relationship with her. So then I suddenly had coverage where I could miss a day if my kid was sick, or I could go on vacation and see my parents. And that was sort of how I managed the load initially. Mm-hmm. Um, but very quickly, I grew out of that, and I was overloaded and completely burnt out. I was seeing 50, 60 patients a week by myself on hour-long visits, no aid, no assistant, no massage therapist, no personal trainer, nobody. Mm. I mean, I made the copies, answered the phones, the whole nine. Um, and again, I got what I wished for, right? I was like, hey, I want to call the shots. I want to be the boss. I'm a type yeah. A person. I want to run my own clinic. Well, here we go. So, and this is probably good advice for maybe the younger clinicians or newer grads who are listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uber burnout and totally thought about having a career change. 
Um, and I was probably six years into practicing as a PT at this point, somewhere in there. Um, I was not enjoying patient care. I was having a pretty hard time staying motivated. Um, I was, I was not enjoying my, what I had created. Um, and so I met with a few of my friends who worked in other fields. I was really considering potentially going to law school and a couple of my friends that are lawyers were like, look, dude, like you're going to go take on $250,000 worth of debt. Then you're going to get paid 40 grand a year for like five years. You're going to have to work 80 hours a week. You're going to be just as miserable as you are now. (laughs) So maybe you should kind of reframe perhaps what you're thinking about and consider, okay, would it be worth shifting how you're practicing, shifting your type of practice, shifting, you know, some of these other things. Um, so that was kind of what happened midway through having my practice is I grew the thing. I made it all about me. I had very little help until I found a coverage person. Um, and then I got pretty darn burnt out. <laughs> so it doesn't sound like a very happy story, does it? <laughs> it's a, it's a coming of age tale. It's an epic saga. So, um, so I decided, okay, my friends very much encouraged me to think about ways that I could expand my business, hire some staff, take all the pressure off myself because I had a good thing going. Um, and so I hired my first clinician, um, who I can proudly say still works for me. Oh, great. Um, I hired her. I'm going to say maybe 2009 ish. So she and I are coming up on a 10 year. Yeah. Cause she was eight years last year. Yeah. We're coming up on a 10 year anniversary, not this coming year, but the next year. Oh, wow. Um, and so her name is Ivy. She's an amazing clinician PT. And so I, <laughs> she lived in Alaska at the time. Mm-hmm. I knew her through some mutual friends, knew she wanted to move back to Montana and uh, I had placed an ad for a PT and she was the first one that answered it. And ironically, I had her cell phone number on my phone. So I called her. I'm like, dude, you just applied for my job. She's <laughs> like, are you kidding me? And like she and I had been mountain biking together and like knew each other socially. <laughs> um, and so I was like, so I'd really like to hire you. Um, I don't know if it's going to work. <laughs> um, so why don't you move down here from Alaska and we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, so... Fast forward to today, I have five clinicians. Um, we are in an 11 and a half thousand square foot facility. Um, and Ivy still works for me. And she actually, when she hit her eight year mark, I had promised her a month long paid sabbatical. So she went to New Zealand or maybe Australia, one or the other, uh, with her partner and they did a mountain bike, bike packing trip. Uh, wow. As a thank you. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So I would say my advice of someone who, you know, is potentially considering starting a clinic, whether they're a PT or an ATC or a chiro massage therapist, whatever, um, is you got to have an exit strategy. You need to think about an exit strategy when you get started. You need to Mm -hmm. think about scalability when you get started and you can't be the brand because if you're the brand, you'll never expand. And those are all the hard lessons I learned because I didn't get any advice when I opened. I just said, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work. Every, I'm going to work harder than everybody else. I feel like I'm a super smart person. I've got some resources. I'm not going to let this thing fail. Let's, let's rumble, you know, <laughs> <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> well, that's, such, uh, I mean, that just goes to show you that what perseverance is like. You said you were kind of burned out and then it's like six years in. You know, yeah. Make that decision or, or even have that, uh, reflection 
sooner than that too. So yeah, you I mean, got far in and then realized, I don't know if this is necessarily it for me. Right. That's a, that's a, a very important uh, lesson to learn for all you uh, students out there or anybody who's looking to open up a business. I mean, you gotta stay persistent. There's always a, there's always a way you can change something. Right. And I think, you know, for me, asking for help was a big one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had all these other friends who are professionals who a lot of a lot of my friends are 10 years older than I am mm-hmm. or, you know, five or six years ahead of me in their careers. And I was like, hey, like, are you guys experiencing this? Like, do you have are you burnt out? Are you stoked? Like, where are we at? Like, what happens? What happens when you finally have the credentials and you have your name on the door and you got a stream of business? And now what? You know, mm-hmm. um, so for me, reaching out to those <laughs> friends was huge and humbling, right? Cause you know, you're, it's kind of like admitting you're depressed or admitting you need help or admitting you need help with weight loss or dietary stuff or whatever. Like you're being pretty vulnerable and, and saying to someone, Hey, I'm struggling. I need you. Um, and man, that was a really, really great lesson for me and a great way for me to sort of start moving into the next few business opportunities I've had because they are all very collaborative and they all do have a lot of you know, other people in the mix, um, who I need, need their help for them to be successful. Yeah. And and of those two, I'm very interested in hearing uh, a little bit more about Bluebird Medical Supply. How does one get into kind of the business? Again, another thing I wish I would have known on the beginning, on the onset of the the (laughs) opportunity, it costs like a lot of heartache. I turned very gray during that time, uh, about 150 bucks in upfront costs, about two years, and holy moly, Medicare regulation. Um, so DME is not an easy business, which we decided to start one because there was only one in our community. And we were doing work with them and felt like, huh, we're not really getting as well taken care of as we think we could be. And we have a lot of connections in this specialty. And really now at that point, my clinic had three clinicians. You know, we had a lot going on. We had a lot of people, you know, got a lot of volume, have a lot of reach. I was like, man, like, I think we could run one of these. And there's only one here. And why don't we give them a little run for their money? And we were talking about expanding the PT practice and I was thinking, gosh, you know, we're a, we're a one, one trick pony, right? Like we, mm-hmm. at that time we were doing PT and then my husband is an Ironman coach and a trainer, personal trainer, um, has a kinesiology professional skiing background. And so he was doing some sports performance out of our shop. So it was kind of like, we were starting to be kind of partially performance and partially PT, mm-hmm. But I was also like, you know, a medical equipment company probably can help feed the PT. The PT can help feed the medical equipment company. So it seemed very synergistic. Little did I know it was going to take two years and cost us a a lot of money on the upfront. But the reason there aren't a lot of DMEs probably in most of the places you guys are all listening from is it's a really tough business to run. It's heavily Medicare regulated. The insurance reimbursement for equipment changes throughout the year. Um, and so it is complicated. Like, for example, on my PT side, we probably use about 10 CPT codes. So procedure codes, for those of you that aren't PTs, that's a procedure code, like therapeutic exercise or manual therapy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, on the DME side, I bet you we use 500 codes, Wow, if not more. Um, and so it is highly complex. But I had a, uh, I was introduced to a gentleman, Chuck, who's my business partner um, in that business, who had previous experience working for a medical equipment company. And this guy is salt of the earth, human being, (laughs) hard worker, honest as the day is long, great character, super smart, super funny. And he and I clicked um, when we were introduced. And I said, you know, I've got the funding. I've got the medical connections. You've got the medical equipment background you want to give this thing a run? And he was like, we can do it. And he had worked for our competitor. So he 
had some pretty good under, understanding and knowledge of how a business like this works and you know some of the strengths and weaknesses in the industry. So we opened Bluebird in 2012. Uh, we picked Bluebird as a name because it's cheerful and generally medical equipment means you are pretty injured or you have a long-term disability or you have a colostomy bag or you need a breast pump or you need medical thigh high compression. And so generally the thing we are giving you is because you've got some issues going on. Yeah. And so we really felt like calling it Bluebird instead of, you know, low-cost medical equipment or A-plus medical equipment or whatever, just kind of created some lightness to it, some cheer. And then, as I said, my husband's a retired professional skier. I'm a very avid skier as well. And the term Bluebird means like a bright, shiny Bluebird day. And so we really just thought it had this kind of air of lightness and positivity. And, you know, Bluebirds are kind of signs of good fortune and good luck. So we started in 2012, um, and it is a... uh, Man, it's a it's a nebulous beast. It, uh, <laughs> we do hundreds of knee custom knee braces a year. We do wheelchairs, walkers, canes, crutches, breast pumps, compression hose, uh, CPAP related equipment. We do lift chairs that take grandma up the stairs. We do um, all kinds of things for catheters for people with spinal cord injuries. I mean, you name it, there's a medical equipment category for it. And so it's been an interesting learning experience as a business owner, because this thing is, it's like a salad bar with 500 things on it. Um, and my PT clinic is like a pizza restaurant. There's 10 kinds of pizza. (laughs) And so this thing is, a. it's a beast. Now, what's interesting about it, those of you who are clinicians or business owners, PT, you know, we're, we're time code based for billing. So a PT, um, sees a patient for an hour, you can bill four or five units depending on what you're up to. Right. Yeah. Medical equipment is simply equipment based, right? I give out a wheelchair, it's X amount of dollars. I give out a pair of crutches, it's X amount of dollars. And so it is highly scalable from a volume based play as a business owner, because if I give out 400 wheelchairs this month, it doesn't matter how many hours that takes me. I just need enough staff to give out the wheelchairs, right? And then maintain them and collect them and rent them and, you know, all those sorts of things. Mm. Versus if you're a clinician, you're trading hours for your paycheck, right? Your time, time is your, your uh, metric. Yeah. So medical equipment is really interesting because it is a business that can really get large as far as billing volume goes if you've got the clinical staff to help do the fittings, do the education, drive it out to a patient's house, what have you, um, because it's a procedure code. It's not a procedure code. It's an um, item-based code billing system. Yeah. And, of course, I didn't know any of that when I started the business. So I was like, hey, let's do this. Let's see what happens. Awesome. Okay. Hey, mom and dad, can I have 50 grand? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's such an interesting you know, business venture to jump into. And forgive me for asking the ignorant question, but, like, I mean, how do you even get to the point of, of getting that company started? Because it's not like you're building wheelchairs in your garage, although with no. your drive, I wouldn't put it past you for doing that. <laughs> I mean, like, how do you find right. a supplier? How do you yep. find the right people that can supply you with the equipment and then get into you being able to distribute that? Oh, yeah. Um, DME is really challenging. So if you're a PT or a chiro or massage therapist, you get your credentialing right. You do your training. You take your boards if you need to be licensed. You get set up, you register with state, a state that you live in, and boom, you are a clinician who now has a business. Um, <laughs> on a medical equipment side, we are basically working with manufacturers or distributors of all the different line items of equipment. Yeah. 
And we are not set up like a storefront. So we are set up like a doctor's office. So you come in, you have a clinician consult and a private treatment room, very upscale, very private, you know, there aren't like compression socks hanging on the wall. <laughs> and then we will sort of talk about customizing the needs that that patient has, whether that's a wheelchair, walker, cane, crutches, whatever. So how we kind of created that model is by visiting several other businesses who do what we do and seeing what we thought they did well and seeing what we thought they didn't do well. Um, and then kind of looking at our model of how can we use the fact that we have a very robust and active physical therapy side, um, great relationships with physicians, great relationships with the nursing homes, great relationships with the hospital. How can we flex that? How can we kind of build off of that scaffolding, if you will, um, in order to get this thing running? So the good news is my business partner had worked in medical equipment before. And so he knew, oh, we need Medline. Oh, we need Invacare. Oh, we need Medela breast pumps. Oh, we need Juzo compression stockings. We need to do Don Joy knee braces. You know, I knew that as being a PT clinician. And so we basically collected all those brands and then you just start reaching out to them and say, hey, we're a new supplier, supplier would like to get set up. Which is why that business has massive startup costs. Yeah, I'll bet. Massive, massive startup costs. So on top of all of that, then you co-found an injury analytics company. Yep. So tell us about 4C Sports Injury Analytics. 4C Sports is a markerless motion capture and force plate-based technology company. So what is markerless motion? So have you ever seen um, somebody wearing one of those reflective ball suits? Yeah. So we have technology where we don't have to wear the ball suit. So if you're wearing basic workout clothes, I can throw you in a portable lab that has between 12 and 18 cameras that samples at a rate of about 4 million data points every 12 minutes. And I can videotape you from a bunch of different angles. And then we, are, we have a proprietary software that calculates and measures how your body moves and then we use a research-based algorithm building on studies that have been done all across the globe to assess your risk of injury based on your movement patterns that we've assessed in this really sophisticated lab. Wow. But what's special about it is we don't use the ball suits. You can wear just general workout clothes. Our labs are portable. Um, and then after we assess someone, say we have a hockey player in there, a soccer player in there, whatever, we take them through a specific movement screen that can be um, either generalized or specific to their sport performance of choice. Uh, it provides a corrective exercise program. And so then we would be able to create correctives based on what the person's imbalances are um, and identify what uh, injuries they may be at risk for. Um, so that's one prong of what it does. The other prong of what it does is we do force plate studies um, for yeah. postural sway measurement. And that's a big element recovery. And so we do baseline testing kind of similar to impact. If you're familiar, any of you out there are familiar with impact neuropsych testing. Now we do a baseline postural sway test at the beginning of the season. And then if we have an athlete who either suspected has a concussion or confirmed has a concussion, we retest them to compare their postural sway measures to see where they're at on that return to play continuum. Very cool. Can you give us a little bit of idea like what, uh, for anybody unfamiliar with what postural sway is as you're uh, analyzing it? Yeah, of course. So postural sway is a measure of your balance and body control. Um, and if you have ever seen someone else being pulled over by the police officers on the side of the road, <laughs> just, you know, learning by observation. Um, if you've ever seen someone getting a DUI test, some of the things they have them do are balance tests. Yeah. And the reason they do that is because what they're looking for is if you're impaired by alcohol, you're unable to control that balance and that sway. So sway is your body's natural side to side and front to back movements that we all have an inherent small amount of. 
But if you're concussed or you're drunk, uh, you're going to have significant changes in that postural sway. And so our system, again, is a portable solution that does a baseline and then does post-injury testing. We use that, um, give that information to sports teams, clinicians, uh, sports med personnel, whatever, parents even, to help them make return-to-play decisions for athletes who've been concussed. Now, is that something you have uh, specifically at Clearwater, or is this something that you kind of travel around specifically for that uh, service, or are they coming to you? All of the above. So they're portable. We do have them in, on, on site at our center. Um, but, for example, we just tested 50 ski racers, and so we went to the high school here locally or the middle school where they were doing their neuropsych impact baseline testing. And we did postural sway testing in a library, you know, because it's a portable (laughs) lab. And so all the stuff we do is very portable, meaning it takes away the barrier of somebody having to go to a university setting or a lab site or something like that uh, to get that type of information. Okay. Very cool. That's such a unique perspective. I think it's, um, you know, everybody talks a lot about force plate measurements and, and, a lot of the different yep. concussion testing too, but that's very right. perspective when you, when you put it all together. Yeah, because the best way to manage a concussion, in my opinion, is clinical exam, mm-hmm. right, symptoms, presentation, having the neuropsych information, so talking about their brain neurophysiology with a baseline-like impact, and then having the biomechanical markers as well, being able to look at their sway, look at their body control. And one of the things that's kind of fascinating with postural sway there's a measure of postural sway called um, sample entropy, uh-huh. and it's the measure of randomness of your sway. So any of you out there who want to do a little exercise right now, if you come up to standing and stand on one foot and close your eyes, you're going to feel that your body sways back and forth, yep. right? Now, if you are concussed or you're drunk, you will try to minimize that randomness because your brain is trying to compensate. So some of the measures get worse when you're concussed or drunk. Some of the measures, the measurements actually get mm. better. And that one, that sample entropy, the measure of randomness, actually um, is going to change kind of in the opposite direction uh, when someone is concussed or if they were drunk. Because you're actually trying to control this way more yeah. if you're impaired. And if you're either consciously impaired, so you've had six beers, or you're, subcon- you know, you're not sure or you don't know you're impaired because you may have a suspected concussion yeah. or something like that. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's that's cool pretty stuff. Cool, pretty advanced stuff. So you're saying that that's going to be all that technology is going to be better than the slow motion camera on my iPhone, right? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if you have an iPhone 10, John, and you could be like the little talking unicorn head, I mean, your cool factor is definitely cooler than my cool you're factor. You're implying that I haven't already played around with that a ton. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be expecting a unicorn head iMessage when we hang up from you the podcast. You got it. I will, I will tell you that. <laughs> is uh, three years old and he's in he's in uh his fantastic potty humor phase so he likes uh oh, he likes yeah. the little head as he sends oh yeah of course i mean and you know when you're potty training somebody uh any anything you can use to motivate them is is pure gold well, his material right is pretty much food based but his jokes are great it's good we're gonna we're gonna get him <laughs> soon. that's so awesome on top of all of that that you're doing you just ran your fourth iron man in phoenix Right. Well, I do have another business in there too. Oh, so right. we own a gym. <laughs> we own a gym as well. Gym yeah. So we have a gym that's called Epic Fitness yeah. Center. Um, and it's a full service gym. We have classes, personal training, workout on your own, locker rooms, the whole nine yards. Um, and that is another project that is kind of similar to Bluebird in that it's very synergistic to the PT yeah. side. 
we decided to open that because we had lots of patients go, well, now what? Yeah. <laughs> you rehab me, I'm better. What are you gonna, where, where do I go now? Where do I go work out now? How do I get some advice? How do I get some help? Um, and so with my husband being a coach and a trainer, uh, this is kind of his yeah. baby um, that I'm involved in. Um, and it's really wonderful. I actually taught a couple classes there this morning. Uh, we have a Saturday class called Dealer's Choice where the uh, instructor gets to pick what you do. Um, and I'm a USA Cycling Spin instructor and have been teaching Group X for years and do some performance training on my own and stuff. So uh, I taught these two little hybrid classes that were half spin, half body weight this morning, which are really oh, fun. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So we have that going too. And that's kind of another thing that sort of feeds the PT clinic, PT clinic feeds yeah. the gym. And the advice, the advice I would give folks who are thinking about owning a gym yeah. is, um, a gym as a standalone is pretty tough, yeah. right? So if you have a gym and it's just a gym and there's no other ancillary stuff associated, mm-hmm. uh, you either got to have a really sticky concept or you've got to have a really primo location, or you've got to have a really big client base, because a gym is a gym is a gym, right? You know, a CrossFit gym is a box with a bunch yeah. of crap in it. And a spinning studio is a box with a bunch yeah. of bikes in it. And uh, if you don't have culture and you don't have people and you don't have the, the community vibe, you got a box. Yeah. So for us, um, we started Epic in 2016. So it's coming up on, it's had its two-year anniversary. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting because we have patients that want to be members and members that want to be patients. And uh, because all of our things are housed together now, uh, it's doing really well. Previously, in 2016 into 17, Epic was by itself. Okay. Um, so we are, we've just built a building. And so the PT clinic and the medical equipment company were in one site. And then Epic was in another site. And Epic was, it was a lot harder to make Epic successful when it was by yeah. itself. And as soon as we moved and got everything under one roof, and we're able to really play from that synergy of, Oh, the PTs can walk a patient over into the performance side and use some of the equipment and PT patients get familiar and mm-hmm. vice versa. Uh, we noticed a massive increase in, you know, patients and, or, or I'm sorry, in clients at the gym, um, way more people coming through the door, way more people were aware of us. We're in a way bigger space now, way better signage. Um, and so for us having that gym by itself was, uh, it was a pretty tough go. I'll bet. Yeah. I mean, like you said, they feed into each other too. And I see that trend happening a ton in the chiropractic community and with physical therapists, either they're seeking out gyms so they can work quickly or they're trying to, you know, establish some gym setting within their own building. Like it it goes back to, you know, a discussion I've had with a lot of colleagues is is like, I, I personally think a gym fitness is kind of the front lines of healthcare. And people argue with me about that too, but you know, that's where people are trying to maintain their good health with good eating right. habits, good movement habits, things like that. And then they need someone when something goes wrong. But you know, when they're right. done with, with therapy, they want to go back into the gym and continue their healthy habits. So when you put those together, they have everything. They need. Oh powerful combination. And I agree with you too. Gym is the future. Yep. And with us having prevention, with us having prehab, with us having weight management, with us having cardiovascular fitness, with us having simply the mental health benefits that we all know um, are so robust when people are moving and moving well. Um, the gym is the front end. PT, rehab, Cairo, we're all the back end, right? We're after the fact. And so what we're really trying to do with our center and our model and our concept is have that entire spectrum of wellness offered. 
if you're well, you work out. If you're ill, you go to rehab. You know, we have a physician coming to join us in the winter um, who's going to be a family practice sports medicine fellowship guy. He does a lot of ultrasound diagnostics. He's moving into our building. Uh, two weeks from now, we're getting an IV center, um, IVs for wellness, yeah. you know, for recovery, fitness, hangovers, uh, big workouts, beauty, illness, childbirth, you name wow. it. So we're really trying to kind of get all those prongs uh, aligned under one roof so someone can come and feel like we're very much a one-stop yeah. shop um, full of excellent folks that are going to be able to help them wherever they're at, kind of meet them where they're at on that health journey. What do you do to kind of keep up with uh, some of the, the trends with that thing? Like I, I've noticed a lot of IV uh, places popping up for wellness. You know, what, what kind of yep. triggers you to notice that that's a big thing and that would be a great fit for what you're doing? I travel a ton for rock tape. <laughs> <laughs> so I taught 70 courses in 2017. Um, I don't know how many I taught in 18. Uh, I'll know here in a couple of weeks. I've got one final tour. So if you're looking to come take a class for me, I'm going to be in Boston here, uh, end of the nice. month, I believe teaching either tape or blades, but, uh, I travel all across the country. I've been to 49 States. And so I spend a lot of time looking, listening, uh, learning, going to classes, going to gyms, meeting clinicians, um, when I'm doing those things in order to try to find out what's new, what's next, what's happening in Portland, what's happening in bend what's happening in salt lake city what's happening in seattle washington um because i want to be on the front end of it you know yeah. I've, I've really kind of ended up in this situation where when i sit down on an airplane and somebody asks me what i do for work i have a hard time telling <laughs> <Hold> them because <laughs> i have so many things to pick from um Dear and uh generally yeah dealer's choice right generally i say i'm a consultant and then they go oh so am i you know <laughs> um <laughs> Because everybody's a consultant. But, you know, I try to really keep my eyes and ears open. Um, I think national conferences can be a great place to see new technology. Um, and I do really, I'm very thankful for how Rock Tape uh, has changed my mentality. Because before I worked for Rock Tape, I just went to PT-related stuff. Sure. Um, I kind of had this idea that was drowned or grind, grinded into me at my PT school that, you know, uh, PTs go to PT, con ed, chiros do their own thing. Massage therapists do their own thing. And uh, as soon as I started working with rock tape, I was like, wait a minute, we're all on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I was not taught that we were all on the same team in grad school by any mm. means, by any means. Um, and I think maybe some of the PTs out there are nodding their heads, especially those of you who've been out kind of in a similar timeline to when I was, I've been out 15 years, you know, it was a very territorial game at that time. Yeah. And, uh, I'm so thankful that my mindset has shifted to it not being that way and that we're all in this together. And so I love going to, you know, sites where I pick up what's new, what's going on in Salt Lake city, what's going on in Denver, you know, what's, what's kind of on the front end of the spear in these other places. So I potentially can consider if that's something I want to bring back to my site, you know? Very cool. It's just a great, uh, um, great advice all around. Just keep your eyes and ears open, you know, you never oh, know. Yeah. Try to keep up as much as you can, but more than anything, just listen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, listen more, talk less. <laughs> and I, I, my, our friend Shantae, you know, the movement maestro, those of you who guys don't know her, she's a great follow on Instagram, awesome clinician, super, super brilliant PT, um, all around movement specialist lady. You know, she, uh, posted a few days ago on her account, a comment that I had put on one of my accounts. So my work related account is called PT lady boss. And that's my Instagram handle. And thank you. Yeah. I, I, 
I kind of just have to own it, right? <laughs> like, I, I'm kind of like, ah, I'm not a boss lady, but I am. So, you know, it's fine. I kind of thought that lady boss sounds a little, like, less aggressive than boss lady. Um, but Shantae posted a comment that I had posted on my account, which was, you know, actually listen rather than just think about what you're going to say next. Oh, no, great point. And I think so often, you know, you're listening, halfway listening to somebody, but you're really just forming your answer while instead of actually truly listening to that person, giving them that time and space to speak. Um, And so I I try to really practice that. Of course, I tend to interrupt people and get excited and have to apologize. that But (laughs) I'm really making a a concerted effort uh, to really do that. And I think it, it has served me well. You know, I've really come up with some... Uh, great clinicians I've met along the way who are doing really cool stuff in other places. And I'm like, huh, you know, will that fly where I live? Yeah. Is that an innovative thing that could happen here that could be kind of front end tip of the spear? Very cool. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't assume, but uh, you keep, you keep basically quoting Hamilton. So I would assume. <laughs> oh, that's true. Huh? You know, <laughs> we, uh, my daughter is a ballerina and a big performing arts fan. So oh. we actually, Took her to Hamilton in Chicago last year for her 13th birthday. Uh, we usually do a little girls trip. And when did you go? Man, I was thrilled. Couldn't have enjoyed that more. When did you go? Uh, May. May? I can't remember when, when we, my wife and I went, but it, would it be cool if we were in the same theater? <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was excellent. I couldn't have, couldn't have enjoyed it more. I would have turned right back around in and uh, yeah. walked in and watched it a second time. And by the way, another piece of advice, it's in Vegas. And I had another experience where I would have walked right back in and watched it again. Yeah. Um, it was the Backstreet Boys, and it was their uh, their reunion uh, installation <laughs> tour. And uh, I was there with some rock tape friends speaking at a conference, and uh, we all went to Backstreet Boys. And I am not sorry one bit. So any of you who have a uh, you know are kind of in my age range of thirty nine and holding again, uh, man. That is one uh, I would have watched a second time. And they danced and had all the choreography. It was incredible. It was so yeah. funny. Can I re- so funny. Se- can I reveal a secret to you right here on the Rock Day podcast? Oh, have you been there? Have you seen uh, no, the Backstreet? I, I, I secretly enjoy uh, 90s boy band stuff. Uh, yes. Retrospectively. Yes. <laughs> well, here's what we'll do. Maybe we can use it as one of the karaoke songs uh, at the uh, International to- Summit. <laughs> mm, I'm not the... I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, uh, you guys are going to have to really coerce me and drinking is not going to do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, you, you alluded to the fact that I enjoy the uh, sport of Ironman triathlon and yes, yep. I did just uh, complete one two weekends ago. So I did uh, Ironman Arizona, uh, which is my fourth full distance Ironman and my, I think 12th or 13th overall Ironman wow. between half and full. Um, so you don't sleep because how do you train for that with all the stuff that you're already doing? You know, the, the, I am somebody who's on the kind of the lazy Ironman diet, right? So I, sure. I don't have the ability with all the other things I do to put the kind of volume in that most people do for Ironman, okay. uh, which is why I only do a full every other year. Um, generally when you're in a full cycle, you need to train 16 to 20 hours a week, mm-hmm. uh, for about two months, uh, leading up to the race. And I just don't have that time. I mean, I get up at five most days anyway, so I just don't have that time to a lot. Um, so I'm not, I am a complete-er of Ironman, not a compete-er in Ironman. So I do it because I love it and enjoy it. Uh, it's this incredible experience. I believe it's all about mindset. Anybody could do one. I'm convinced anybody could do one. Um, and 
you know, it's kind of a mental toughness exercise. It's a little bit of an eating and drinking game of managing your nutrition and hydration and your yeah. uh, function while you're doing that long activity. But yeah, uh, good, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> so you said uh, end of the month you're going to be in Boston. Um, so uh, end of the month, like last weekend of the month or – um, I'm going to be, I have a three day vine tour and I will be, let me pull out my planner <laughs> on the 17th. I'm in mass on the 18th. I'm in New Hampshire on the 19th. I'm in Burlington, Vermont, and it's a taping tour. Cool. So 17, 18, 19, starting in Boston, working my way up to Vermont here in December. That's your last tour of the year. That is, that's my last tour of the year. That's wrapping up 2017. And then I'll have to sit down in my iMac and take a look at my uh, numbers and where all I've been and what all I've done and how many students I got to have the pleasure of learning from over the course of the year. This is how busy you really are. You said 2017, it's 2018. Oh, (laughs) there you go. Right. (laughs) Yes, sir. 2018 is just (laughs) passing us by. You said you were in 49 states. What state have you not been to? So I am originally from Alaska, so that's an easy one to check off. My family lives in Hawaii, so that's an easy one to check off. And the lonely state I have not yet visited is New Mexico. Really? But those of you who are in New Mexico, do not fret. I will be there. I pulled a tour in, I think, February. Um, So I'm getting to check off my uh, final state in the beginning of 2019. That's one of my uh, goals in life is to visit all states, and Rock has definitely helped me do that. It is. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. So if anyone's looking for a class in Albuquerque, I am Albuquerque, New Mexico for Blades, which is our instrument-assisted manual therapy system, uh, 23rd and the 24th. So if you're looking for that, you can find it on Rock Tape's website, uh, and that is when I will get to make my – maiden voyage visit to the state of New Mexico. Well, that is awesome. One more time, Melissa, where can people find you on social media? So you can find me on social at, at P T lady boss. And, uh, that is the place I post my musings <laughs> about my <laughs> professional life. Um, and I usually will post my rock tape schedule once I have it. So people can track me down if they want to come take a course, uh, that I would be involved in. Definitely go follow Melissa at PT Lady Boss and definitely go to rocktape.com. Check out where Melissa's going to be. Uh, if you can catch her towards the end of the year up in the Northeast, or if you want to look into 2019 and see where Melissa's going to be teaching any one of our courses, Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time. I learned a ton from everything that you do. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for giving us the time and giving us your insight. My pleasure, John. It's, it's a pleasure to be, you know, interviewed. As I said, I'm super proud to be an ambassador for a company that really just celebrates all clinicians, everyone who's passionate about movement. You know, uh, you're not just a soccer mom to us. You're somebody that cares about helping people move better. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I couldn't be more thankful. I'm headed into my, fourth season of being on the rock tape team um couldn't enjoy it more that's fantastic uh i will see you in mexico then i guess right sounds like a plan we'll uh have to uh see what it takes to get you to sing some backstreet boys for us (laughs) (laughs) all right melissa thank you so much my pleasure thanks for having me